0: Podcastle, episode 150, for March twenty ninth, 2011. Today's story, Mr. Hodge's Sunset Ride, by Saladin Ahmed. Rated PG. Hello and welcome to a very special Podcastle, our own 150th episode. I'm your host and co-editor Dave Thompson, and... Since we're kind of talking about anniversaries, I want to give a couple of shout-outs right off the bat to some of our colleagues in the podcasting realm. Congratulations to the Drabblecast for hitting 200 episodes, and also to the Dune Steve Audio Fiction Magazine, who are coming up on episode 100 any week now. Well done, gentlemen. Well done indeed. Also, I mentioned this at the end of last week's episode, but now that it's been officially announced, and thanks to the PodCastle time shift, it's coming slightly late, a very big and warm welcome to Sean Garrett, who will be taking over the editorial duties at the Not Dead Yet Pseudopod. Welcome to Escape Artist, Sean. Watch out for anything that slithers. Or bleeds acid. Or, well, just pretty much watch out for anything. I hear if you happen to look up at the top of Pseudopod Towers just as the lightning strikes, you can see Ben Phillips grinning like the mad maniac he is, dancing a crazy jig on the ancient inhuman skulls that roof the Pseudopod Towers. It's a sight, to be sure, and an even better sound. Thanks so much for all the stories, Ben. Okay, now that we've got all the mushy stuff out of the way, let's get to today's story. Don't worry about being scared. Today's episode has only a touch of the ghoulish in it. We've got a fun one for you. Mr. Hodges' Sunset Ride by the one and only Saladin Ahmed, whom you last heard from back at Podcastle 102, who's in the Hovel of Abdel Jamila. Saladin Ahmed was born in Detroit and has been a finalist for both the Nebula and Campbell Awards. His fictions appeared in Strange Horizons, Intergalactic Medicine Show, Drabblecast, and Apex. And I can seriously not wait to get my hot little hands on his debut novel coming out next year, Throne of the Crescent Moon. You can find him online at saladinahmed.com. This bad boy is read to you by the myth, the legend, the man with the Frankenstein scars, Cheyenne Wright. Because seriously, when you're leading a posse hunting evil bad guys in the Wild West, you really, really want to be able to growl the way Cheyenne does. You can visit him online at arcanetimes.com. Mr. Hodge's Sunset Ride originally appeared at Beneath Ceaseless Skies, your stop for consistently awesome second-world fantasy fiction. So, remember, we will make you famous, but you are not a god. Enjoy the story.
1: Mr. Hodge's Sunset Ride by Saladin Ahmed and whosoever saveth the life of one, it shall be as if he had saved the life of all mankind. Quran 5.32 The toughest man I ever met? That's an easy answer to give, but a tricky tale to tell. Mr. Hajj was from the same place as my rattlesnake of a paw, Araby or place like. Though I don't rightly know the name, since neither him nor my pa ever said a blasted word about the old country. You'd ask and ask, and all you'd get back was a look as hard as rocks. No use digging after that. I've ridden with good men and bad men, but I never rode with a man like Mr. Hodge. That wasn't his proper name, just a way of calling the old man respectful-like. My pa taught me that. If I ever met a man from the old country to call him Hodge. Damn near the only thing that son of a bitch ever taught me. Anyhow, a good few years back now, when I was a young, full of his self-bounty hunter, I fell in with Mr. Hodge in the Black Hills. We rode together about a year. He was a little, leather-brown knot of a man with a moonlight white beard. And he took an immediate and powerful shine to me on account of my pa being from Araby. Now understand, I'm a bastard. I do care my mama's name, O'Connor. But the way I look, a little darker than the average man, I know... And you can see that hatchet nose. Well, I get taken for a lot of things. South of the border, I fibbed I was half Mexican. Living a summer, trading with the Cheyenne, claiming to be part of Red Man. Even got chased out of a town once when I winked at the wrong girl. They was sure as could be I was a mulatto. It can be hell sometimes, being different things to different folks. But it can be right useful, too. Well, Mr. Hodge must have smelled the old country in my blood somehow. Like I say, he took a shine to me, and my knowing how to call him respectfully seemed to seal it for him. Can't say I ever understood it, but Mr. Hodge was the kind of man you wanted on your side, so I wasn't about to complain. And for what it's worth, I was the last man ever saw him alive. The Last time I rode with Mr. Hodge, we was in a little shit town in Texas trailing Parson Lucifer's gang— Old Parson Lucifer was an ex-preacher, mad as a rabid dog. Said he took the name because he was part blessed and part damned like any man. Can't say I ever saw the blessed part, though. Like I said, the man was out of his blasted mind. Anything ruthless or nasty you might have heard about his gang was probably the plain truth. That three-day slow murder of the blacksmith and his wife in Deadwood, done with their own smithin' tools... That weren't no tale. The Widow Sheriff of Redemption and his baby boys getting their ears chopped off and force-fed to them. Parson Lucifer done that too. We were in the employ of a town of cross-blood where even the old Sunday school teacher was foaming at the mouth to see Parson Lucifer and his boys strung up. They'd lost a lot to that gang. Most of the gang had been caught before we ever got hired. What's got done to them? Wasn't none too pretty, neither. But Parson Lucifer and his two sons were still out there. Well, one and a half of his sons, anyway. To hear it told, two sheriff's deputies had fired three shots each into his youngest. Shambles. Wasn't nothing left but a bloody pulp shaped like a man. But Parson Lucifer and his eldest, James, went through the trouble of killing two more men, just in order to haul the younger boy's body away. Now, Mr. Hodge and me wasn't the only hunters hunting these dogs, but it was us that found them. Rather, it was him that did. By serenading the rocks. See, that old man could sing. I don't think he knew what half the words meant, but when Mr. Hodge started in on them cowboy songs, well, sure as I'm standing here, when that man got to crooning a tune, he made the earth itself cry. This ain't just me tale telling you here. I seen tears fall from big red rocks when the old man hummed, heard stones weep as they parted before him. So when Mr. Hodge said that a stone in the road told him where to find Parson Lucifer, I didn't doubt it. And though it still spooked me, I didn't flinch when he sang softly to a great big cliff face until it wept and opened us a passage to a perfect ambush perch. You all ain't gotta believe me for it to be the truth. I never learned Mr. Hodges' Christian name, but to tell the truth, I don't think he was a Christian. Not to say he wasn't living Christianly, you hear. When we were down Mexico way, that man tossed his last peso to the first beggar what asked. But I don't think he ever touched a Bible in his life. And Sunday to him was just another day. Every evening, he'd roll out this funny little rug, then he'd turn his back to the setting sun, bow down, and say some of his words. Heathen praying, as far as I could tell. You gonna do that every night? I'd ask him early on. Should be more, he said in that rocks and honey voice. And that was all he'd ever say on the matter. No, it wasn't nothing Christian. But my mama taught me that another man's religion was like another man's wife. None of my goddamn business. And that old gal taught me a lot of lessons. But sticking to my own business was just about the best of them. Granted, he ain't seemed to like words a whole lot. Never said much more than, Yep, nope, I reckon, and good, huh? Once in a while, when he'd get real mad, he'd start talking his old country talk, Sounding like a like a man clearing his throat with flowers. I suppose it would have drove a lot of men mad, riding with a man as quiet as that. And I can't say that once in a while I didn't wish Mr. Hodge a bit more social, but I've always liked my quiet. Ain't nothing in this world drives me up the wall like riding with a man who keeps on talking when there ain't nothing to say. I always knew Mr. Hodge was there. That was all I needed to know. By my hope of being saved, I'll tell you I never saw a man as good with a gun. It wasn't natural, the things that old man could do with a Navy Colt or a Winchester. You'll think I'm talking tall, but I swear it before the Almighty himself. I seen Mr. Hodge shoot the Buck teeth off a jumping jackrabbit. Seen him shoot another man's bullets out of the air. Seen him shoot more than a couple of men, too. We made over a dozen bounties in our year together. Not all of them were alive, not by a clean sight. We was spying on a Parson Lucifer and his son from our hiding place high in the cliff face, when Mister Hodge, for reasons known only to him at the time, insisted we wait till the next day to nab the bastards. Well, I didn't want to hear that. I was a foolish young man in those days, hot and headstrong, with even more to prove than your average prairie boy. Tomorrow, he said making the words sound like his old country talk. He was loading his colt with the funny-looking bullets. Silver, if I didn't miss my guess. Tomorrow? We got him dead to rights right now. With them powers you got, Mr. Hodge? He looked up from his gun and ran a hand over his beard. Powers? Shut up, you. Just a knack. A knack? You can... I stopped. No, one I flapped my gums too much. The old man didn't like it when I brought up the things he could do. His eyes narrowed like I just called his mama a whore. Somewhere out there in the purple early evening, a coyote howled. Mr. Hodge spit at my feet and jabbed a tree branch finger at me. Talk too much. Just heed, huh? Tomorrow. "'Now look here,' I said. "'You know I respect your experience, and I do try to heed you, but—' "'Should be more,' the old man said, and turned his back to me. "'Now, if I had had half a head on my shoulders, that would have been the end of it. "'But I was young, a little fired up, and a lot stupid. "'I thought I could make Mr. Hodge respect me, "'and a half a whiskey flask later I knew I could do it "'by bushwhacking two outlaws single-handed— So after Mr. Hodge turned his back to the sunset, said his "'should-be-more rug prayers to his heathen God, and gone to sleep, I snuck down the cliff. "'Like I said, young and stupid. "'If I hadn't been drunk on top of that, I might have given a second thought to those silver bullets Mr. Hodge had been fiddling with. "'Them boys was too smart to set a campfire.' But the moon was big and bright, and by its light I could see Parson Lucifer's white preacher's collar. He was snoring away, but his son James was on watch. I crept up behind James, close and quiet. Now even a boy as brash as I was knows that taking on two men at once, even if one of them is sleeping, requires getting underhanded. And when it comes to a gang of killers like Parson Lucifer's, well, I got no problem shooting a man in the back. So well, that's what i done. Three shots right up that boy, James's spine. Exceptin', it wasn't James that I shot. It wasn't James that turned around. It was the other boy. The dead one. I swear it by God in my mama's grave. That boy, Shambles, just stared at me. Something like a smile on his rotten, chopped steak half a face. I put another slug right through his eyeball, but the boy didn't even bleed. Now I heard that when he was a natural living man, they called him shambles on account of his funny walk. But when I shot that boy four times and he ain't stopped coming at me, well that name wasn't so funny no more. My mouth dried up. My heart hammered hard, and I screamed and ran back the way I'd come, but there was Parson Lucifer, cut right across my path, wide awake, a revolver in his gray-gloved hand. His boy James was beside him. They didn't shoot me. Just laughed and told me to drop my gun or they'd give me to shambles. I heard the dead boy laughing through his open throat, and I won't lie. I wet myself. Then I dropped my gun. Half an hour later, I found myself lying trussed up on the ground with two teeth knocked out. Parson Lucifer's boot heel was digging into my cheek and I was wishing I'd listen to Mr. Hodge instead of letting my hot blood send me off half-cocked. Don't look so worried, boy, the old bandito laughed. I ain't gonna kill you yet. No, you got to die in a special way, a slow way. That hex what raised my boy Shambles. It's constantly calling for fresh blood. Having you here, well, it saves me a dangerous raiding on a town. He took his boot from my face and strutted slowly into view. He smiled a nasty little smile and looked up at the night sky. The spilling, though, has to happen at sunrise when Shambles sleeps. So you got yourself another few hours to live. Tears started to burn in my eyes. It's one thing to get shot, but it's another thing to entire to have your blood spilled for black magic. I swallowed and foolishly tried to play on the guilty conscience of a man who didn't know what a conscience was. You know, you killed a little girl during that last robbery. Eight years old and you... I felt fear filling me. But I still wasn't ready to make the man shoot me premature for naming him for the monster he was. I switched up, make it like I was giving him the benefit of the doubt. Now, it could be it was an accident, I started. But Parson Lucifer just frowned at me, like a disappointed uncle. Boy, ain't nothing involving a pistol in Parson Lucifer, ever an accident. A better man would have called Parson Lucifer a devilish dog-faced son of a whore just then, but it wasn't a better man laying there with his face in the dirt, it was just me. And I kept my peace, as that devilish dog-faced son of a whore went on girl died for a purpose, boy. More than most folk these days can claim. Every man and every child must play his part. i ravage so that our Lord Christ can heal. And I guess you make a nice living doing it, don't you? That old bastard smiled. There's a Caesar in all of us, boy. And we must render unto him what is his. But the girl was just one life. Even way the hell out here, there's lots of lies to go around. Ain't one of them any more sacred than another, far as God's concerned. You think our Savior cares more about some snot-nosed child than about a sinner like me? You must not have read your Bible then, boy. Ain't no man ever kept Jesus' love busier than I have. That thing he calls his son shambled into my view and gibbered something. Wherever it used to be right then, it looked like a plate of bloody meat walking on two legs. My breath caught in my chest. "'And what about that creature there?' I said, trying to make the bold in me cover up the scared pissless. "'My hex brought my boy Shambles back to life, even after what them snaky deputies done to him. That's the Lord's work, boy. Same thing our Savior did with Lazarus. This here's our Christian hex I put on my beautiful baby boy. I couldn't hardly help myself. Mister? I don't know what to call that, except to say that it's about as Christian as pissing in the pulpit on a Sunday morning. And at that moment, Mr. Hodge appeared from an I don't know where, looking to my frightened eyes like an avenging angel of the Lord. He sang a quick string of words in his talk, sounded similar to his sunset prayers best as I could tell. The rocks around us wailed right back, and Paws Lucifer looked all around frantic, like and Mr. Hodge shot five of them silver bullets in the shambles. That thing that used to be a living man stopped and dropped to the ground. There was no blood coming from where Mr. Hodge shot him, but the way he started moaning, well, it was like all them bullets that he oughtn't have been able to walk away from all caught up with him. There was one last howl, like a demon getting his tooth yanked by the meanest barber in the world, and then Shambles stopped movin', stopped kickin', and died an honest death. Mr. Hodge already had his gun on Parson Lucifer, and now he was whistling Bright River Valley. The rocks kept a-wailing, and I swear to y'all that a little piece of flint jumped up and cut my bones. But by then, the boy James... We'd been off shaking a sagebrush when Mr. Hodge showed up, had his gun on me. James gestured towards me with the gun and growled at Mr. Hodge. "'Looks like we're all of us in a fix here, but my daddy can't see no hangman,' he said in that fast, slow, Kansas City way that drives a prairie boy like me clean out of my mind. And his pa finally wore a look of real fear. "'I don't know what kind of engine magic you got hold of here, but my, my daddy can't see no hangman, you hear, old man?' Whatever kind of red devilsness you got working against my daddy's hex, you best hope you can lift it and bring back my baby brother. I got a clean shot here, yo. Your- there was no movement that I saw, but there was a shot, and there was smoke coming from Mister Hodges' gun, and a boy with a hole in his head was lying where a fast-talking murderer had just stood. Hurt a lot of people. Price to pay should be more. Nine words. Mr. Hodge. it was like a whole sermon. He looked up at a patch of moonlit cloud in the eastern sky and nodded, like he'd been arguing with the Almighty, but was granting God a point. He didn't even flinch when Parson Lucifer spun around and shot him twice in the chest. I tried to stop it fumbled James's dropped gun in my hands and fired in Parson Lucifer's direction, feeling like my anger alone could push the bullet through his skull. I'm proud to say I killed that hex-casting son of a bitch. But I wasn't fast enough. Parson Lucifer and both his boys were dead, but that didn't change Mr. Hodge's lying there with two holes in him, and it didn't stop the little red rivers that seeped into the dirt around his old oak root of a body. As I say, I was still half green back then, but I'd already come to know by sight which wounds a man might walk away from. One look told me Mr. Hodge wasn't going nowhere else in this life. Any other man would have been screaming himself silly, but Mr. Hodge was so quiet, I could hear the wind whispering in the brush. He grit his teeth and refused the rum and laudanum I offered him. Two is all, he said, and I thought he was speaking his old country talk. I wished my pa or anyone from the old country was there, just to hear him say his piece. Hell of a thing to have to speak your last words to a man who can't understand you. But he said it again. And i realized i did understand tough as all hell the old man was saying for the first time i ever heard him talk proud yeah you are that mr hodge i said to him ain't no man anywhere can begrudge you that that man bought my life with his god is my witness I ain't seen what I done to deserve it to tell the truth. I told him as much as he lay there dying. The old coot spit out some blood and smiled, real mean-like. For you, he said, and shook his head. He pointed his long brown trigger finger up at the sky like he was naming a target. For him. Hurt a lot of people. Price to pay should be more. And that was the last thing he said. I watched the light go slowly out of his eyes. Saw that smile go slack. I smelled the crushed roses in the air, though I can't say where the scent came from. For a long time, I just sat there, my thoughts mingling with the moon shadows. I spent that sleepless night burying him with a short-handled shovel. His guns and his little heathen rug beside him. Come morning, I was wore out as a man could be. But it was time to leave. Ashes to ashes, I said by way of goodbye to the old man. Dust to dust. Then I dragged myself eastward. My eyes half blinded by the rising sun.
0: And welcome back. That's the one thing about the Wild West. Too many damn demonic vampires. <laughs> Who am I kidding? As if there could ever be too many of those. Damned if it doesn't want to make me wail Bon Jovi's Blaze of Glory at the top of my lungs. Well, don't worry, I'll spare you that. For now. There's lots to love in this story. For me, right off the bat, it's the way this story took one of my favorite archetypes, the wandering preacher gunfighter from Westerns, and played with it in its own way. I also wholeheartedly endorse calling out Parson Lucifer's brand of Christianity as being about as far from anything Jesus ever said. Somewhere in the grand old podcastal theater, I'm pretty sure I heard Shepard Book clapping, whispering about a very special hell for Parson Lucifer and his blood-sucking kin. Can I get an amen? All right. Feedback this week is for a different type of ride. Caitlin Brennan's To Ride Beyond the Wide World's End. Read by Steve Anderson. The story of a bard who comes into possession of a horse who can take him to ferry. Some good discussion on this one. Generally, people seem to like the character and the writing, except it ended too soon. Or as some of you put it, didn't properly end. I am a fish, said... I was just starting to think, this is really good. I love where this is going. Then it ended. I was sad face. Peter Tupper agreed. My problem with this story is that it ended right where the story started. The protagonist has the magic thing, a horse in this case, that will take him from the mundane world to the fantastic world. And then what? We don't know. The story ends. It's as if the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe ended before they even got to the lamppost. But other Dave said... I am well known as a stickler for endings, but I didn't feel abandoned by this one. The story here is about Madog's discovery and wrestling however briefly with the choice of how to proceed, and that story is complete. That said, I really, really want more adventures of Madog and his faithful steed as they become legends in their own time. And I have to say, Other Dave wasn't alone in that sentiment. It seemed that a lot of you, despite feeling that the story ended too quickly, would have really loved to hear more about Madog and his faithful horse. We want to thank everyone who took the time to comment on that story. We love reading your thoughts, and... Hey, listen, why don't you head on over to our own little floating saloon in the sky, forum.escapeartist.net, and let us know what you thought of this week's tale. If you want to buy us a whiskey, all the better. Speaking of which, if you'd like to donate, please consider visiting podcastle.org and making a donation, but... But also, please consider sending some money Japan's way. There's a hell of a lot of good charities you can contribute to helping out over there. Thanks. Well, that was our show for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. On behalf of everyone flying the friendly skies in this here podcastle, I'd sincerely like to thank you for letting us share another story with you. Podcastles made up of a trifecta of the good, the bad, and the ugly split four ways. Deputy Associate Editor Ann Lecky fast talking charmer Peter Wood, and your editors, tough-as-nails Anna Schwinn, and sweet little old me, Dave Thompson. Who you calling ugly? Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next time with another fun story, courtesy of Delia Sherman, who takes us under her sorcerer's tutelage. Until then, remember to keep those pistols loaded with something a little shinier than lead, and we'll see you in a week.
1: You can discuss this episode of PodCastle or nearly anything else on our forums. Just visit forum.escapeartist.info. And if you like science fiction or horror, be sure to visit our sister podcasts, Escape Pod and Pseudopod. And if you enjoyed this episode, tell a friend, or post to your blog about it, or consider donating via the PayPal link on our site.
0: Larry McMurtry wrote, It ain't dying I'm talking about, it's living. I doubt it matters where you die, but it matters where you live.